0: Hey, everyone, just a quick heads up before we get started that there is some language in this episode and explicit descriptions of abuse that might be offensive or disturbing to some people. All right, here we go. Hey,
1: I'm Kelly McEvers, and this is Embedded. Okay, so it's July 18th, 2016. A woman is driving in this neighborhood in North Miami and she sees something. And calls 911.
2: Friday, please fire. What is the address to your emergency? Hey, we got that emergency. Uh, I think it's
0: 14th Avenue. So she's saying there is a man sitting in the middle of the road.
1: That's Audrey Quinn. She's a reporter at WNYC, and she's going to help tell this story.
0: In the middle of the road, and he has what appeared to be a gun. What is um, he
2: doing with a gun? He has it to his head.
0: And what she put together that he was doing was threatening suicide. And she does notice that there's another man with him. And she notices that the other man is pleading. There's a guy there trying to talk him out of it. Is he a black male or a white male? The second guy is black,
1: she says. The first guy is Hispanic. And, she says, he looks like he's mentally ill. The
0: Spanish guy looks like he's a mentally ill person.
1: So here's what the dispatcher hears. Two men sitting in the road. One Hispanic, possibly with a disability, possibly with a gun to his head. The other, black, trying to talk him out of it. Then the caller says this.
0: She says, I I, I don't know if it's gun, a gun, but he okay. has something that's shaped, shaped like a gun. A gun. So, so just, just be, be careful. careful.
1: But here's how the message goes out.
2: There's a male with a gun to his head in the middle of the roadway.
1: There's a male with a gun to his head. Cops head to the scene. Advised, he has something in his hands. Be advised, one cop says he has something in his hands.
0: All units use caution. Verify that he has something in his hands. All units use caution. He has something inside of his hand.
1: At one point, one cop even says it looks like he is loading. Uh, looks like
0: he's loading up his gun. Verify it. It looks like he's loading up his gun. And then confirms yes, that he's loading he's his loading weapon. Loading his uh, weapon. And the dispatcher just keeps saying, use caution, use oh, caution. They're advising that the subject is not loading up his weapons.
1: Around this time, Audrey says,
0: someone who lives in the neighborhood actually starts filming. So it's this cell phone video shot in vertical. It's a kind of a suburban street scene.
1: The black man is now on his back with his hands in the air. The Hispanic man is sitting right next to him, still with something in his hands. And what you hear
0: is all this yelling. So the man on his back starts to yell, Get down, lay on your stomach. But the Hispanic guy just keeps yelling, Shut up.
1: Then the black guy starts trying to talk to the cops. He says
0: all he has is a toy truck in his hand. A toy truck. I'm the behavioral tech at a group home. That's all this is. That's all this is. There's no need for guns.
1: There's no more video of what happens next, but on the radio,
0: it does seem like one of the cops the, uh, person, heard this. the person advised, that "It's a toy, it's a toy uh, car." That and the person advised, "It's a toy car." But it seems like not all the cops heard it. Straight after the officer says this, the, the dispatcher comes back on and says, attention all units, North Miami is working an attempted suicide with a subject with a gun. 244, a subject with a gun. And it's at this point that that officer Jonathan Aleda says, I have a clear shot of the subject. Another
1: cop says, please advise.
0: He has a clear shot. And it's at this point that an officer comes on the line and says, I have a visual. Does not visual appear does not to be a firearm. Have, units have all units stand by. All units care. Dispatcher says, Stand by. And then you hear over the dispatch
2: 400 shots fired.
0: Shots fired. And a sergeant all yells, Hold the fire, hold the fire. All units, hold your fire.
2: You got a subject down?
1: We have one down. I have them hold fire. We have one down. Three shots fired. One ricochets off the ground and hits the black man in the leg, even though he's the one who was lying on the ground with his hands up. The other two shots miss. And then officers move in.
0: And another officer says over the line, be advised, it's a toy gun.
1: You might actually have heard about this shooting. It was during that intense summer when there were several police shootings of black men and shootings of police in Texas and Louisiana. This shooting in Miami was different.
2: Authorities in Florida are investigating the shooting of a black therapist who was trying to calm an autistic A Hispanic Spanish and, officer and, shot and wounded an unarmed black man. Unarmed to get his hands up in the air at the time.
1: The black man who was shot was a caregiver at a group home for people with developmental disabilities. His name is Charles Kinsey, and he survived. The other guy has autism, and he lived at the group home where Charles worked. His name is Arnaldo Rios Soto. At the time, he was 26 years old. And as you heard, there was no gun. Not even a toy gun like they said on the radio. It was actually a toy truck, like Charles was trying to tell the cops in that video. And when Arnaldo was yelling, shut up, you idiot, that's actually a line from Toy Story, a movie that Arnaldo quotes a lot. So it's possible that's what he was doing. Quoting the movie. A little while after the shooting and after
0: the cell phone video came out, this happened. So a couple days later, the head of the police union gives a statement.
2: Fearing for Mr.
1: Kinsley's life. He's saying Kinsley, even though the name is Charles Kinsey. The
2: officer discharged his firearm and he missed and accidentally struck Mr. Kinsley. In other
1: words... The officer was not trying to shoot Charles. He was trying to shoot Arnaldo. The officer who shot Charles was later charged with attempted manslaughter and has pleaded not guilty. The case hasn't gone to trial yet. But in this show, we're not going to talk about the cop. We're going to talk about Arnaldo. This person who was totally misunderstood in this moment and who has been misunderstood for most of his life. Support for this podcast and the following message come from ACT, a flexible CRM trusted by millions worldwide. Manage customer contacts, track sales opportunities, and create professional marketing campaigns, all from your laptop or mobile device. Call 888-643-6400, mention promo code NPR for a free Amazon dot with your purchase of ACT, or visit ACT.com slash NPR to sign up for a free 14-day trial. ACT. Growth Made
2: Easy. Hey there, I'm Joshua Johnson, the host of 1A. We're spending a week bringing you stories of cutting edge ideas and new technologies that could change our lives for years to come. To hear our reports from the Aspen Ideas Festival, check out 1A, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are
1: back. This story was reported, like I said, by Audrey Quinn. She did it for a new podcast called After Effect. And she spent close to a year looking into how Arnaldo Riosoto got to this place on this day and what happened to him after the shooting. Turns out that even when the police learn that Arnaldo was not holding a gun, they handcuffed him and put him in a police car for more than an hour. A witness later told police Arnaldo made loud, quote, animalistic sounds and screeching noises in the back of that police car. We know this from police documents. And then police brought him in for interrogation.
2: No, no, sit down, just lie back. He's okay. Okay, Arnaldo, my name is Detective Guardio. I'm with the police department. You know what the police are,
0: sir. Yes, Arnaldo sir. is taken sir, into okay. a tiny little room you know what, what with two officers. What were you doing running around out there? And you see that Arnaldo still has the Arnaldo's handcuffs on, and yeah. he's sitting very still, and he has his hands um, behind his back. Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Do you know yeah. your name? Arnaldo Riosoto. How old are you, Arnaldo?
0: Yeah. Arnaldo does not communicate the way most people do, but he's just trying to be agreeable. And kind of the go-to way to be agreeable is say yes. Yes, yes, sir, yeah.
2: Um, um, do you remember what happened? Yeah. What happened? Can you tell me? Yeah. Go ahead, tell me.
0: Uh-huh. The interrogating officer would later say that he was told you know, that Arnaldo was either yeah. under the AI influence was- of drugs was- or mentally ill. We also know this from police documents. And so the officer keeps asking him questions. And to every question, he just keeps saying yes. In a lawsuit
1: later filed against the city, Arnaldo's family claims the officer was trying to coerce Arnaldo into admitting unlawful or threatening behavior.
2: Did you want to hurt anybody tonight? Yeah. Who did you want to hurt? Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
1: But then, eventually, the officer seems to back off.
2: Okay, Arnaldo. We're going to take you home, okay? Okay. Okay.
1: In that same lawsuit, Arnaldo's family says that according to Florida law, Arnaldo should have had a guardian with him during this interrogation because of his disability. This, in many ways, has been Arnaldo's story for so long, a story we're telling in this episode. Every step along the way, he does not get the care he needs or is entitled to. Part One
0: Diagnosis. So, Arnaldo grew up in Puerto Rico. He was born there at the very end of 1989. And his mother, Gladys Soto, is an emergency room nurse. Gladys had actually done her thesis on autism, and she recognizes it at a very young age. And Arnaldo, he's about 18 months old. She recognizes my my son does not seem to be developing like my other child was developing at this age. She has a daughter who's just a couple years older than Arnaldo. And she recognizes this baby is is acting a little unusual. And so she brings him to the pediatrician's office. And the pediatrician just looks at her like she's crazy. the doctor said, he's okay. And that she's seeing signs where there's not signs. It's okay. Don't worry. Forget it. 18 months is actually pretty early for a diagnosis of
1: autism spectrum disorder, especially back then. But Gladys ends up spending years
0: taking Arnaldo all over Puerto Rico. And Gladys just continues to bring Arnaldo to doctor after doctor. And is again denied a diagnosis. Um, And she's trying to get him into schools. Schools say we can't handle this kid. She can't get him in special ed because he doesn't have a diagnosis. Eventually, doctors start to acknowledge that there's something different about Arnaldo, but they they just use what gets called the R word. They just say, "Your, your son's retarded.
1: So eventually, Gladys and Arnaldo travel to Baltimore to see specialists in developmental disabilities.
0: And Arnaldo is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. But she finds that the diagnosis doesn't help a whole lot because there there weren't a whole lot of autism services at her disposal. So Gladys figures they need to move to the mainland. So just a couple years later, she and her daughter Miriam and Arnaldo all move to Miami. Part two school and pretty soon, After he gets to Miami, Arnaldo gets into the disability services system. He gets into a school for kids with learning disabilities. And just nothing seems to be helpful. Audrey says Arnaldo's family
1: tried several different education programs. And during this time, they believe Arnaldo was abused by people in these programs.
0: He would have bruises. Um, Twice he ended up with a broken arm. And that was thought to be from ways that he was held down. Um, He was hit on the head to the point that it broke the skin. He had to be taken to the hospital. He was pretty young then. And that's in medical records. Um, There's certifiable physical signs that Arnaldo was physically abused. I also have talked to um, the woman who was responsible for his services through Florida's Disability Agency who says, yeah, yeah, he was abused. It's also around that time that Arnaldo's family says he would
1: sometimes get violent. They believe his aggression was because of the abuse. They think it was a learned response, that Arnaldo was mimicking what had been done to him. Audrey talked to Arnaldo's therapist and other therapists and other people with autism about this. And they said it's pretty common to experience trauma, like abuse, in these residential programs and to lash out in response. Arnaldo's family says it just got harder and harder for them to take care of him at home. Arnaldo was still in school, so during the day he was in special education classes. But then he finished school, which brings us to part three, the cliff. At a certain age, some people with autism reach this thing called the cliff, this moment when all those services
0: that were available to you are just not available anymore. If you are autistic in the US, you get services through the public school system, through special education services, actually usually up until the age of about 20, 21, 22, depending on what age public school services are cut off for you. And then after you reach that age, services essentially end. And when Arnaldo reaches that age,
1: Gladys is still his legal guardian, but like we said, it gets
0: harder and harder for her to take care of Arnaldo on her own. And the problem starts to be is, Gladys, Arnaldo's mom is really small, Arnaldo's a pretty big guy, and when he would get upset, he would get physical, and she didn't feel like she knew how to respond. So she would call the police, and Arnaldo would get um, taken to the hospital and and committed to the psych ward. And it was really this cycle back and forth between her home and the psych wards for a couple years until he gets into group homes. And then it's a cycle between the group homes and the psych ward again.
1: Part four, group home.
0: So it's finally determined, okay, Arnaldo needs what's called an intensive behavioral setting. And so that is how he ends up at MacTown. MacTown
1: stands for the Miami Achievement Center for the Developmentally Disabled. And it's a chain of group homes. And a group home, if you don't know, is a place where people with developmental disabilities live together. And it's staffed by caregivers 24 hours a day. In MacTown is where Charles Kinsey worked. Remember, he was the man who was shot by police. The day Charles first met Arnaldo, he told Audrey he was bringing Arnaldo to MacTown from a hospital, and he was
0: helping Arnaldo move in. Charles was given the rundown on Arnaldo and learned how he'd been bouncing between psych ward and group home for the last year. So he he didn't know what he was going to find when he went to Arnaldo's room. He just said a little prayer to himself. Walked on in.
2: And when I seen him, I just went, hey, another how you doing? My name is Charles. He looked at me, and I looked at him. I said, all right, um, we finna get ready to go to a new facility. I said, first of all, you want something to eat? So we went to McDonald's. We got us something to eat. Everything went well. Once we got to his room, we made sure that his toys was there and, you know, his toy trucks, um, his lamp, and his radio. He loved his radios. He started calling me. Charles. I like, what's up, Arnaldo? I think his mom told me that he liked computers. When I found that out, oh my God, and he's good. That's why I said, man, I underestimate Arnaldo if they want to. Arnaldo got on that computer, he taught me some things, <laughs> for real.
1: But Arnaldo still, sometimes, was aggressive
2: um But he did have his um outbursts, like physical stuff. Yeah, and when he get a great healing got aggressive, and I had to let him know, Arnaldo, come on, we, we're not having that here, we're not doing that here, you know. Um but then he'll calm down. He know like, okay, okay, that's that's him. Okay, I like all right. Let's go back in the room, and you really had to know what he liked. And once you found out what he liked, Arnaldo was fine.
0: Things seemed to be working out.
1: Then. About a month after Arnaldo got to MacTown, this new group home, he runs out of the group home holding his toy truck. And that's when the shooting happens.
2: He had what appeared to be a gun. Hold the fire, hold the fire, hold the fire.
1: After Charles got shot, he was handcuffed, then eventually taken to the hospital. And after that interrogation of Arnaldo the cops take him back to MacTown. The family's lawsuit says he was still in handcuffs.
0: And Arnaldo over the next day proceeds to really have a meltdown. He's traumatized. And eventually the next evening, he leaves again. He runs out and he returns to the same site where Charles was shot. And he's yelling over and over again, police shoot, police shoot. And you can see from the scene pictures that there was still a lot of blood on the ground there. The scene had not been cleaned yet. And what happens is a neighbor, a woman who had seen the shooting, had seen the police come in response, she sees Arnaldo out on the road and she calls the police and they come and they bring him back to the group home. And it's at this point the group home consults a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says he's traumatized, you need to commit him to the hospital.
1: What happens next after the break?
2: Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter can help. Their technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com embedded. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. What does it take to start something from nothing? And what does it take to actually build it?
1: I'm Guy Raz. Every week on How I
2: Built This, I speak with
1: founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world. Find it on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Part 5, New Group Home. So after the shooting, Arnaldo cannot stay at MacTown anymore. And Charles, the guy who worked at MacTown, is in the hospital. And Arnaldo ends up being put in a psych ward of another hospital.
0: Eventually, Arnaldo and his family get word that, hey, there is a spot for him. And the spot is at this facility called Carlton Palms, which is up in central Florida outside Orlando.
1: It's advertised as a place with activities, therapy, and supervision for people with developmental disabilities. So one day, Audrey meets up with Arnaldo's mom, Gladys.
2: Miriam! Audrey's here!
1: (laughs) At that point, Arnaldo had been at Carlton Palms for about a year.
0: And for a while, things were going okay. Gladys is getting ready to visit Arnaldo. It's kind of fun showing up at their house in the morning on these visits to see Arnaldo because Gladys puts so much preparation into these visits. She starts cooking the night before. She has all this food prepped in, um, in these giant Tupperwares. So you show up in the morning and she is like gliding around the kitchen just like giddy. <laughs> oh my God. i happy because I'm going to see my son.
1: Gladys and Audrey and Arnaldo's older sister Miriam get in the car to drive to Carlton Palms.
0: I'm, I'm noticing right now that Gladys is reapplying perfume and Miriam has her concealer ready to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do, okay. It, it, it's like a mechanism of self-defense, I guess. It's a method of coping. So she's putting perfume on because she wants to feel fresh again and I'm putting my makeup on to hide the sadness in my face and my acne of course
0: (laughs) and we pull up to Carlton Palms it's this super remote campus there are these kind of willowing oak trees that are draped with Spanish moss and these kind of old, brown, camp-looking buildings. We were gonna go pick up Arnaldo, and and they say, okay, you you need to sign this form, and it's not just kind of a permission slip, sign your name here that you're gonna take him. There's also a a printout of the outline of a body front and back, just the outline, um, and you're supposed to mark, like with an X, where you see essentially damages.
2: They say, okay,
0: mother found like this. They want to know that they have given him back the same condition that they got him in. Uh-huh. Like a rental car. Yes, like wow. a rental car. Yes. We walk up to the building that Arnaldo that lives in, and I, I see all these men in the porch out front. I start to realize that it was actually Halloween and all of these men who are clients at Carlton Palms are all wearing navy blue police costumes. This was only a year after Arnaldo's caregiver was
1: shot by police. That plus the handcuffs and the interrogation.
0: Arnaldo understandably had a lot of fear of police and he didn't even like to see them on television. And we eventually... See Arnaldo. Say hi, Ad- Audrey. Hi, Audrey. Ah, nice to meet you. And he too is in a police uniform. And Gladys whispers to me right away, oh no, Arnaldo hates police. And his sister Miriam was really, really upset.
1: So- Out of all the things that he could have dressed up, exactly the police, are you kidding me? That same day, Audrey actually overheard one of the staff tell Gladys they'd gotten a package deal on police costumes. Audrey asked the leadership at Carlton Palms and the leadership of the company that runs Carlton Palms to talk about Arnaldo's case several times, but in an email, the parent company said they don't comment on individual client matters. Then... They go to a chapel where they usually spend time with Arnaldo.
0: What do you want? I want a please. Ah, claro que sí. I want a please. A <laughs> con gandules y jamón. Y jamón. You like it? Jamón? And even though Arnaldo and Gladys sound happy, Gladys is worried about him. Gladys had been eyeing Carlton Palms actually for years. It kind of became in her mind this oasis of, oh, here's this beautiful, beautiful campus, this beautiful kind of camp-like place that disabled people can go to and they'll be safe and the police won't come and take them away. She'd hoped finally Arnaldo's somewhere. He'll be happy. He's somewhere we can feel secure and um, And she just doesn't see that on Arnaldo's face when she visits. And Miriam is worried too. There's still something that we are not comfortable with and we cannot quite pinpoint, which doesn't make us feel safe. It's like an intuition that there's something odd. When when did you start to get that feeling about Carlton Palms? Months ago. Months ago. What do you think it was? Like what? Is- I don't know. It's just that Arnaldo's expression was not the same. Arnaldo's... Um, the way he would interact with us was not the same anymore. He's afraid again. He... He said, Mom, please, in my ear, like a secret. Mother, please, I want to go home. I want to go home. <laughs>
1: Gladys and Miriam are not the only people with concerns about Carlton Palms. For years, there have been widely reported accounts of alleged abuse and investigations of Carlton Palms by the state of Florida. Audrey looked into allegations made by other families.
0: So since around 2011-2012, there starts to be a lot of documentation by the state of Florida of instances of abuse and neglect at Carleton Palms. And the state agency starts making these series of what's called administrative complaints, detailing what was happening to to different clients at the facility. There was one I noted, this was in 2012, and says that while performing a manual restraint, staff member J.A. was bitten by child resident D.K. So there's staff member J.A., staff member is manually restraining another client and this, this child who's a client as well comes up and bites him. The supervisor comes in and he says, fuck this shit. And then he, he kicks the, the child client in the face. And after that, he proceeds to choke the child client to the point that the child's eyes um, were bulging. He almost passes out. And this, at this point, the, this supervisor staff member stops for a second and then he starts again until the child almost loses consciousness again. And, and after this incident, the child is bleeding from the mouth. That is what's outlined in this administrative complaint that the state makes against Carlton Palms. At the end of this complaint, the, um, the state disability agency asks for a one-year moratorium on admissions to, to Carlton Palms. And what they end up settling for instead is a video monitoring system.
1: Over the years, there are more investigations and more administrative complaints, but still the state allows Carlton Palms to stay open.
2: This isn't the first investigation into the facility's care. In 2013, a 14 year old autistic girl died from dehydration. In 2014, nine investigates obtained this
1: video showing a former employee allegedly throwing hot water on a 21 year old autistic man. The Florida Agency. There was a court case over the girl's death that settled and the former employee spent time in jail for the alleged scalding. Gladys and Miriam say they didn't know about all these allegations. Audrey offered to send them articles about Carlton Palms, but Miriam said she didn't want to know because it would make her more worried. Audrey talked to other families with relatives at Carlton Palms, and some say they had a good experience there and they liked it there. And here's the other thing about Carlton Palms. During this time... Of the highest needs developmentally disabled people in Florida who are in residential
0: care, 30% of them lived in Carlton Palms. If Carlton Palms isn't there, that's 200 people with often similar needs to Arnaldo's who need to find services, and there aren't a whole lot of other options.
1: Part six, another new group home. Eventually, one of Arnaldo's outside therapists says Arnaldo needs to leave Carlton Palms. She had visited him there, and she said she didn't see him getting the therapy he needed, like work on communication skills. She said he was sleeping during the day and being restrained for leaving his bedroom at night. She also questioned whether he was over medicated. Around the same time, the state is filing new complaints against Carlton Palms, and the state starts planning to close it down. At this point, it's early 2018. Arnaldo has been there for almost a year and a half. And his family and therapist are working really hard to get more funding from the state to move
0: Arnaldo again. And then one day I I call Miriam and she said, oh, we have a date. Arnaldo's going to move the 1st of February.
1: To a new group home. After he has time to settle in, Audrey checks it out.
0: And Arnaldo was much, much more expressive at the new group home. He has this big, beautiful bedroom. It's the master bedroom. It has a shower and a bathtub and two walk-in closets. He had a one-on-one assistant who seemed very attentive and very caring to his needs. This is the thing for Arnaldo.
1: Yes, it's important for him to be in a safe place, but it's also the people who work with him who are important. People who understand how to meet him where he is, who understand that he communicates differently than some other people do. He might be yelling, but it could
0: mean he likes something. When Arnaldo's outside therapist described to me what she thinks is kind of a best-case scenario for Arnaldo in terms of getting assistance from someone who could be kind of like a companion The way she described someone um, getting along with Arnaldo and just being good-natured and kind of, but also firm with Arnaldo, the way she described this kind of ideal person just echoed the way it sounds like Charles was with Arnaldo. Charles Kinsey,
1: Arnaldo's behavioral assistant, the one who was shot by police. Charles did not go back to work at that group home after the shooting. He told Audrey he doesn't even go to the neighborhood where it happened.
2: I just, I just didn't feel right going back in that area. Because I'm afraid, that's the only thing that I'm afraid of. By the grace of God, I have not been stopped by a police officer since that incident. But I don't know how I would react or how they would react if I get stopped. So that's why I stay out of that area.
0: He was diagnosed with persistent PTSD. And he doesn't do caregiving work at all anymore. He and his son have opened up a, um, a landscaping business. So he's been doing yard work since then. Seems like you love this job. You were good at it. Seems really so sad that you're not doing it anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it is. I mean, I missed it. I, I really, I really do miss it. Only thing I worry about is as long as he's okay.
1: He's talking about
2: Arnaldo. You know, but um, well, that as long as he's fine, I'm content. I'm good.
1: Is Arnaldo fine? He's back in a group home, which is the kind of place where he was when the shooting happened. The kind of place some disability advocates say is not the best place for him. If you ask Gladys and Miriam, and if you ask other people with autism, the ideal thing for Arnaldo would be to have his own place, like his own apartment, with round-the-clock paid caregivers. And the crazy thing is, that would actually cost the state of Florida less than it would to keep Arnaldo in this new group home. This has been an excerpt of the new After Effect podcast by WNYC Studios. That's After Effect, one word. It is out now. To find out how Arnaldo is doing, to hear more about him and his family, how they got here and what their options are, subscribe to the full podcast at AfterEffectPodcast.org or wherever you get your stuff. There is a lot more to hear. I am freaking out. I just want them to be happy, both of them. I don't know, honey. It was all the wrong time, you know? You can also hear more about Carlton Palms, which, by the way, is in the process of being closed by the state of Florida. This episode of Embedded was reported by Audrey Quinn and produced by Tom Dreisbach and Noor Wazwaz. It was edited by Ben Adair, Chris Benderev, and Neil Carruth with help from John Hamilton. Fact checking for Embedded is by Greta Pittenger. Our lawyer is Micah Ratner. Our theme song is by Colin Wamsgans. Other original music is by Romteen Arablui. Embedded is executive produced by Anya Grundman, Chris Turpin, and me. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reach out on Twitter at NPR Embedded. We are back next week. With a very different version of a news story we thought we knew. And I'm pacing back and forth in this parking lot in Oregon, mapping out essentially the, the plan to rule out the war. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.